0: Insurance town. I'm the mayor, Heath Sharon, and I'm the host of this podcast. Guys, I have absolutely enjoyed this last, I don't know, eight, nine months since I've started doing this podcast. It's been amazing. You guys have been awesome since day one, emailing me, texting me, hit me up on social media and letting me know that you love the show or giving me ideas, introducing me to other people. It's been so cool, and uh, to continue in that spirit, what uh, just in response to some of your emails, I would love to get us all together, uh, maybe do some insurance town hall meetings. It would be kind of a mastermind, if you will, not to steal from my guest and Jason Cast today, but it would just be something cool to do to connect you guys together that have taught me so much and that you've learned from each other. It's just been cool, and it's my heart, and it's my desire just to connect people. So if that's something that you'd be interested in doing, email me, heath at insurancetownpodcast.com. Uh, give me your ideas. Give me some thoughts. I'm looking to start some of these maybe in, uh, in a month from now, sometime in 2021. Anyhow, today I've got an awesome guest on the show, but before we get there, I want to tell you about my awesome show sponsor in Canopy Connect. Canopy Connect is your one-click solution to get those deck pages that you need to get a quote for your prospect. Uh, If you're interested in that at all, you need to reach out to my boy. Go to app.usecanopy.com backslash heath, and you can get a discount. You can schedule a demo. uh, You can email my boy Tolga at Tolga at usecanopy.com, and uh, you can work with him that way as well. Today's show, I've got... who. Someone who has become very close to me, someone who I I care about, someone I've learned a lot from, Uh, you know him best from the uh, podcast agency Intelligence, and he's got uh, an empire he's building over there. And he's learned uh, so much about podcasting. He wants to share that with others. He has also got his own platform where other people are on his channel now. I, it's awesome. Uh, he also uh, works with other people on producing their own podcasts. He works with some of the greats uh, out there in Ryan Hanley. And he works with uh, Caitlin Agar. You've heard him do some other really cool stuff with um, the book series he's got going on. Dude, Um He has produced some really cool podcasts. He also is the owner of TIA, the Insurance Alliance, based in Illinois. Uh, Dude, I could go on and on and on about what this guy is and what he means to our industry, but I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into the podcast. Uh, I love this guy. You're going to love this guy. He is Jason Cass. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with my boy Cass.
1: Jason, what's happening, my brother? You know, brother, I am excited to be here. Not every day that you get invited to Insurance Town. And I'll tell you what, I was a little surprised today when I was coming into town. Yeah? What surprised you? You told me about the police escort. You gave right, me a little, right. you said, Cass, we don't wait until the city limits. We want to meet you outside. And I said, okay, that was that was good. I was expecting one or two cars to have a plethora with a bunch of Chevy suburbans, a little much, but that's okay. But here's what got as we started getting towards town and I started seeing all the great things that you've built, I noticed there were two snipers up on the roof. And I thought to myself, they're expensive right and so that's what you do though to make this happen for our great industry
0: you know you're exactly right you know i got to keep the bad guys out and I got to protect the governor. You know, I may be the mayor, but <laughs> I'm going to call you the governor of this here town. <laughs> all right. All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. I got I to gotta look after you, man. Yeah, I, uh, you do. I I appreciate you coming to town and visiting with us. I, do, uh, I don't I do want to waste a lot of time because uh, my listeners know how much you mean to me. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I want them to get to know you. Okay. So let's take a stroll down memory lane. Let's okay. talk about Jason Cass and, you know, go back as far as you want. Come up to as far as you want.
1: <sighs> Yeah. Okay. So I'll keep this short. All right. So in uh, 1997, I met my wife. Why is that important? Because her husband, her husband, as she was in high school like I was. Um, her dad uh, retired from the insurance industry. Met me. He's her first dinner. He said, boy, you need to be in the insurance business. I said, sir, I'll never be in the insurance business one day in my life. He retired with a good living from it. So I did kind of notice that a little bit. But uh, I started, I, I got into other things. I sold windows. I realized I was the number one salesman after like two months of all these guys that I was competing against out of St. Louis. I remember my fourth of a month, I won like this huge bonus was uh, number one salesman fourth month in a row. I'll never forget this. Heath. I walked in, my wife's standing by the back door and, cause, and I just told her, I said, man, I got some really good news. Now, keep in mind, this is back in 2000, 2001. So I didn't have a cell phone itself. So. So I told her to be ready for me when I got home. When I got home, I just, she opened up the door and I said to her, you know, we have got a one-year-old, hardly any presents under the damn Christmas tree. And I said to her, I said, I think I found what I'm good at. Like, I'm really good at this sales thing. Like, I, I didn't know it, right? But I just am really good. And then I realized that the home improvement industry is a bunch of crooks. And so that didn't, I didn't like that. So then I finally listened to my father-in-law. Um, 9-11 happened. I went and got my life and health license. I finally met Mike Beard. No one would hire me. 2001. No one would hire me because I didn't have any experience. I met a guy by the name of Mike Beard, still my number one mentor to this day at a Mount Vernon, Illinois. Um, great story. I called him on Christmas Eve. And I mean, I was calling everybody in the phone book. And here now I'm calling people 45 minutes away from me. And he said, and it's snowing so bad that he said, if you can get here, I'll probably hire you. So I get in the car, I drive, it takes me two and a half, three hours to drive a 25 to 30 minute drive, okay? I mean, it, it was snowing bad. Christmas Eve, I walk in, I, I sit there, he starts interviewing me and he said, well, I'll tell you what, I can only start you at $8 an hour. I jump right out of my chair and I just reached across and said, I'll take the job. I'll I'll, I'll let it take the job. Like I really don't have any presence underneath the tree for my two-year-old now, you know? Um, And then the rest is history. One of the things that's made me who I am is I I left that agency in 2005 uh, after the agencies around town all wanted to hire me now that I was taking their business. Uh, They made promises to me they didn't keep. Sounds like I know a lot of you listeners are probably uh, in that same story. And in 2010, I finally told them, uh, my main assistant, they had hired me an assistant and she was just my assistant because, I mean, I was putting on the premium. And she told me that she was unhappy and she was going to leave. And I told the owner in 2009, I said, if she leaves and I have to trade another CSR, I'm training my own csr i was in there talking to him right around the first of december she walked in at six o'clock in the evening said here's my resignation i came in the next day i said i told you if she leaves i'm leaving really amazing story into the how it ended and i told him around the first week of december and i started cleaning out my office and he would come in the back door right by my office i was in the back because i wanted to be quiet by myself and on the, the 27th or 28th after christmas i'm getting ready to leave my office is cleaned out and i walk up to him and i said i said Tom." I said, I'm leaving now. And he goes, all right, you know, kind of looks at me and he sticks out his hand and I look right at him and I'm thinking to myself cause I got a big ego and I'm thinking to myself and I said to him, I never thought you'd let me leave. And he looked right back at me, right in my eyes and he said, I never thought you'd leave. There's a lesson to be learned there for a lot of agency owners that there is a time we will leave. I think there's another thing to be learned as agents that there's a time you need to leave. If they're gonna make promises to you, and they're not going to keep them, you, it's a time that you have to leave. And it really sucks and it's hard. I spent, That was my third book from scratch that I had to start on a non-compete in a 2,500 square foot home with two car payments, a house payment. I lived on a golf course. My wife said to me, she said, are you serious? We started in 2001. You rebuilt it in 2005. Now, you're going to rebuild it on a non-compete I said, honey, here's what I know. If I go to work at a decent time every day between seven or eight, and I come home every night between four and six, and I do nothing but talk to people about insurance between then, I don't care who they are. They can have a pulse. That's all I care about. We'll be successful because, honey, that's what I did the other times. And she was like, okay. Um, and I was out of the basement of my home, which people think I can't do. I did it for five years. Ran into Travis. Travis and I have now exploded. and We're a little under 800000 in revenue. When I got with Travis, I was probably around two hundred. 250000 because it was just me and I'm trying to manage it with a wave work at home vintage expert with Sharon Emick, you need to get her on your podcast. Um, And so that's the story, man, of where I am. Um, In in 2018, we bought another agency, I moved to where that agency is where I'm at now in Edwardsville, Illinois, the home office is in Central Illinois, Travis manages that with our senior account manager. We opened up another location last year um, at the beginning, at the end of 2018 in Mount Vernon, Illinois. We found an agent and put her in there. And um, I run these uh, locations in the year 2023, which you don't know about. um, I'm moving to Florida full-time. I'll probably sell my agency in about five to six years Um, because I've got a lot of other things that I want to do. I want to build churches in Cuba. I like to deep sea fish. I bought a drone that I'm becoming a commercial licensed pilot at. So maybe I can do some drone inspections, something to work for 10 or 15 hours besides David Carruthers and I being out on our boat. So that's where I was. That's where I'm going. And uh, I haven't been able to tell that story in a while. So it was pretty good.
0: Yeah, man, that was really good. Um, Now, let me ask you, uh, your wife Andrea, right?
1: Mm, that's right.
0: Did she did she have any? Did she work at all during that time, or were you?
1: Good call, planning? good call. She um, actually was a cosmetologist, really, really good, really, really loves it. Just not a cosmetologist. She's really, really special at what she can do with her talents. And so she, whenever in 2010, she actually, uh, 20, 2008, my best friend is a chiropractor. He bought a chiropractor office and was like, I need someone to help, responsible to help me. So he took her on. And in 2011, 2012, when I'm now getting big, but I'm at that point that a lot of agents are, right? Like I got the money coming in. But I got a shitload of service. So I got like, I need to get somebody. And the way I always see it is, is I'm straddling a canyon. I got one foot over here on one side. I got a foot on the other side and I need to just push off and get to the other side. But I don't have enough, quite enough money that I'm scared that if I bring somebody on, I'm not, I'm going to be out of money, Right. And so um, I took some advice of my mentor, which is terrible advice, by the way. It actually worked for me, but it's not good advice overall, which he said, what you do is you hire somebody and then you figure out how to pay them. You better be a go beep and getter, okay? Because that, that takes a lot for you to give trust to somebody else and make sure you're going to do it. At the end of the day, I did it and it worked really well. It worked well for him. Um, I would say, straddle the canyon, get over it, and then hire them is what I would do. Going back to it in 2012, I realized I needed somebody. And what I realized is is like my problem was I could handle the service and stuff because keep in mind, you get the best clients when you work out of your home. Why is that? Because no one knows you're there. So that means if you want to write business, you go get the business. If you're going getting bad business, that's your own dumb fault, right? What was amazing is I started getting bad business when I came out of my basement. When I had the sign outside. Now people started coming in. I'm like, shit, I don't want you to come in here, you know? I mean, you don't fit who I am. So in 2012, I said to her, honey, if you would leave your job rather than me paying somebody fifteen dollars to $20,000 a year to help me do the finances and a couple of things, Just leave your job because that's all you're making at the chiropractor shop, you know? And so that's less I'm giving somewhere out. So she stayed with me, um, controlled all of our finances for all of our companies. We have four of them. And she left in January of, I'm sorry, December of 2019. And we moved everything over to our CPA, something we had been building now she works with agency intelligence and helps the team put together all these things. She does all the show notes and she does uh, she does some shit I don't even know the team's taking. I'll
0: tell it. you one thing I'll go back to that I find interesting because you said it was bad advice, but I've heard this advice so many times of go hire them and figure it out, and the whole concept of. Don't wait till you need somebody until it's too late. And so you say that's bad advice. Why, why is advice? it bad advice?
1: Why is it bad advice? Yeah, Great tell question. Me why. Great question, dude. I drink a lot of wine and I think about this shit. The reason why it's bad advice is because the way that most people do this, not because of the way they hire, it's their mindset. So they go hire somebody because they don't have enough time to sell because they're servicing. And you know what they do? They go and they hire somebody. Now it frees them up and they don't go sell anymore. They go to the golf course. And okay. now, now, three months later, they're having to explain to that Mr. or Mrs. Uh, why maybe I may not be able to make payroll for another week, right? And those are the reasons why. If you're, as I said, if you're a go-getter and you understand that you're hiring that person because you really need more sales time, then do it. You're going to win every time. It's just 80% of the people don't think like that. They just really, really, truly don't. It's the reason why the average insurance agency out there is 35 350 to 450,000 in revenue. Because think about it, he or she, the agency owner takes around 100 to 150,000. They probably have a full-time person and a part-time person. So that's probably around 75,000. They got to pay the expenses which are probably around 100,000 they're about out of money and anything left over they just take it out it's why insurance agents are bad people are, are bad business people i mean they just really are and it's okay if you if you want to take that as offensive right now because my job is to make you feel uncomfortable because that's how you learn that's how you grow that's how you become better and so we have to just realize that sometimes we are sometimes we like running agencies and we don't like running businesses we need to learn how to run businesses and forget about how to run an agency that has been one of the the staples agencies have always been been able to to work differently because we have renewable income. So we don't have to think any money that's left over at the end of the year that comes to us or at the end of the month that comes to us owners. That's not the way business is run. When you're trying to um, analyze your ROI, you know, we try to look and say like, how much can I get off of that? And where we make a mistake is, is we judge it by a year, but statistics show us that that person's going to stay on the books for five to seven years. You know what Walmart does? They look at projections of two, four, five, ten 10 years out, and they make decisions based on that. They can make judgments and say, you know, hey, if this guy's paying me $1,000 a year, that's $6,000 client. That's not a $1,000 and I hope I renew them here. Treat them like a $6,000 client client. client and they're going to probably stay 10 years and they'll become a $60,000 client or whatever that would be, that would be a a $10,000 client. So these are the little things that we have to think about when we're running a business and we don't, why? Because we get stressed out and we know that the first of the year's coming, our first of the month's coming. And as soon as the first of the month comes, by the 10th of the month, I'll have my commissions in and I'll be okay, at least for the next 10 to 15 days. And then I'll figure it out again. That's stressful, no one likes that shit.
0: No, it really is stressful. And so I talk to agents like you uh, on a regular basis uh, every day, And I see, at least in Arkansas, I'm sure it's the same in Illinois. I see a ton of agencies hovering around, uh, you know, 100,000 to 250,000 in revenue, and they come to me and they tell me, Heath, I can't get over that hump. I can't get over that hump." And I think a lot of it goes back to what you and I just been talking about. But I think there's a lot of other things involved in that. Come on, I know you've been a veteran at this for a long time now, as you just told us. Uh, What would you tell? my audience listening now that's hovered around that spot, you know, say, I got to jump over that hurdle because someone may have told them, higher down, figure it out later, but you're saying not to. What other advice could you give them?
1: Hot dog, let's go back to the beginning. Let's think about what we're doing here. We're trying to write business. I love what my buddy Nicholas Ayer said. What are we in business for? To make a profit. We are not a nonprofit insurance agency. I think that would be a good idea to, key, to start. That I've really thought about that and, and, and sketched that out. That could actually work. But you we're and me both, yeah. But we're not. We're not. And there's where we have to start. So I say this a lot, Heath. You've probably heard me say this in some of our conversations. You have agents who will sit there and brag about the fact that they have five thousand or two thousand clients, and then in within about five to ten minutes, you'll hear them talk about how they hate service work. That doesn't make any sense, folks. You can't continue to take on people and not take on service. So what do I do? I need revenue, but I don't need as many people. Okay. How does that happen? I need to increase my revenue per client. Well, how do I make that happen? In our agency, our average, our goal doesn't mean we are, we're hitting under our goal is a 20,000 revenue client or more. That's around 70 to $80,000 in premium. Okay. So what we're trying to do, because when you do figure out the 15%, then we've got agency broker fees and stuff like that. We're, we're getting up there. So my point to say to you is, is how do we get over that hump you need to readjust your what? Your prospecting list. I guarantee you, if you wrote down right now, I always want to say loyal listeners because that's, that's who I speak to. But citizens, if you wrote down right now, you're write down 20 prospects that come to your name, like 20 people that you have seen or that you have in your lead system. Just go pick 20 right now and write down their name. And then on the side of that, write what the estimated premium is you think you could get from that, right? It's two autos in a home, I'm going to get $3,000, right? And if you want, even go high, say $5,000, right? Take those 20, now figure out the revenue for them. Take it all times 15%, take it high, Now, look at what each one of those averages are. I guarantee you they're somewhere between $300 to $600. Let me tell you a little truth of the matter when you talk to Chris Paradiso. If you're making between $300 to $600 commission annually on an account, it takes you 1.9 months before you make a dollar. That's strong. One year, nine months before you make a dollar. And there's people right now that are absolutely arguing with me and they're the ones most stressed out. Because and they they're the
0: ones that are calling me complaining. They can't get over that hump.
1: They can't get over that hump. So what do we do to answer that question, to summarize it? Change your prospecting sheet. Make sure everybody on there is at least $1,000 in revenue. And God damn it, you know what'll happen? <laughs> You'll start writing $1,000 revenue accounts. I mean, God, we make this so hard. My buddy Billy Williams says it all the time. Cass, keep shit simple.
0: That's right. No, keep it simple as right. And the other thing that i found is fascinating to me, and I've had this conversation a couple of times lately, the, when, when the pandemic hit, if you're listening to this 10 years from now, we're laughing about this, hopefully. But, Good you point. know, the pandemic hit, and everybody at first kind of freaked out what's going to happen. What I've noticed is the smaller agencies that had it together, that had their processes, had everything together, they're the ones doing okay right now. Absolutely. They didn't skip a beat. They were Absolutely. money. They were okay. The big dog agencies that were just sitting on their laurels doing nothing, you know, expecting that revenue check to come in. They're the, the agency, ones
1: hurt. the agencies that made 10 to 15% growth, there's only two of them out there today. They're either making zero to five percent growth, or the ten to fifteen percent growth is making twenty to twenty-five percent growth. It's just the way it is. Who, was the, who are those that did it? The ones who remained calm. Yep. The ones who, when it overwhelmed them, they remained calm. Now, some of them couldn't, right? Some of them had four staff in the office, all had underlying issues, and they had to go home immediately, and we still have filing cabinets, right? Not us, but those people, right? Right. Right. So yeah, I do feel for those people. But in the meantime, they started to stress out. You know what they did? They started to go buy all this technology. You haven't bought technology in 10 years because you don't know how to use it and you're against it. And now all of a sudden the world crumbles and you start to go buy technology. So, I mean, that just doesn't make sense. The ones who stayed, are the ones who stayed focused and said, we do auto and home and that's what we're gonna do. And matter of fact, there's a bunch of agencies that are closed right now and those people aren't getting service. Let's reach out to our customers so that our customers know that we're here for them. And then when their friend is talking to them about, man, I can't get a hold of my insurance agent or my lawyer or whatever, they say, hey, by the way, I'm with Jason Cass. He's up at the insurance lines. He just sent me an email saying that they're open. You know, those are the type of things that we got proactive on because in the COVID, if you were reactive, you got about zero to five percent growth.
0: No, you're right, and you know I'm I'm glad in a certain sense that I was not an agent at the time that I'd switched over, made my career move because my biggest you know sales tactic for me was getting out in front of people. I, I was the, the the mayor, so to speak. I was in front of anybody and everybody I could get in front of. Right. I was at every networking event, every chamber event, every ribbon cutting. I was in front of people at all times, anytime I could be. As you said in the early days of your career, if I can get in front of as many people as possible and I can do those things, I'm going to be okay. And I did fine. You know, as Stacy, you know, as you might knew, I did just fine, but I was afraid if I got into this place, I wouldn't be there. But as you and I talked about the other day, face-to-face hadn't gone away. It just looks like this now.
1: just looks like this. It just happens to be a little bit of LED lights in between us. Word. Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, it, it it's exciting. exciting. And, 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 and it's exciting because I just did a podcast with the CEO of Thimble. He wrote something on Medium. Um, and I and I and maybe I need to send this to you so you can put it in your show notes or whatever. But he really, really wrote in May about going through what he went through as a CEO of a large company in 2008. And then what he writes about what he's going to do to be expected. And it's really cool now, eight months, seven months later to read that because he talks about staying calm, staying focused on on your, um, on your on, on, um, on all the other things that people are getting freaked out about. What I really thought was the most important, and I'm starting to run into this in a lot with these CEOs that I talk to, they all talk about sleep. They really beep and do. They all go to sleep between seven at night and nine at night. And they're all getting up between 4:30 and 5:30 in the morning. I tell you what, when you lay the metrics and you pull out the algorithm, it's pretty overwhelmingly glaring that these people who are high achieving people are getting that. I'm going to say this to your citizens, and I'm going to and I'm going to get a little feedback from this. I believe if you are trying to say that you're going to be successful because you go to bed at 11 or 12, or you go home at 11 or 12, and you wake up at four or five you won't be successful long. You're burning the candle way too long. And I think that there's a lot of stress that's coming out of that. You're probably losing time with your family. Um, And and, and these are the things that are important to these CEOs. This is important to them, not only because they get that me time from 4.30 to 6.30 before everybody wakes up, but also it allows them to be a frame of reference throughout the whole day. And the last thing that he said, which I thought was important was, is in the time of chaos, you have to rely on your habits and routine. Loved that. Loved that, dude. Because my buddy, Billy Williams, you guys know I always talk about Billy Williams because he means a lot to me. Um, Billy always says, Cass, you may think you need a routine and you may think you need habits, but you already have them. Think about what you do your first hour of the day. I guarantee you, Cass, You're doing the same thing. God damn it. He's right every day. And then what time do I normally get to the office? What do I do when I get to the office? What are my first tasks that I do? What time do I usually go to lunch? Where do I usually go to lunch? How do I usually drive back to the office from lunch? What am I doing? You see what I mean? Like we're already doing these routines. And so when he said that to me, it was like, okay, now he said, Cass, now that you recognize that, just change one thing. Four or five months later, change another thing. Billy says me this all the time, and it's hard to believe. But all you loyal, uh, loyal listeners, all you citizens, this is true. I'll turn it back over to you. Sorry that I'm stealing your show. I just, I'm, I'm. Dude, I'm Billy. you really got. That's my why brain. I brought you on. You really got my brain going. Um, I can't remember what Billy, Billy was telling me. Oh, Billy told me that Cass, there's no way that you should be in the office after one. That's what he told me. So for the last 10 years, I've known Billy since 06. I saw him speak at a uh, national uh, or a, an African-American national conference or something like that. I just butchered, butchered that. There's but a very, very great conference. And he was there in 06 and I was amazed by him. So I've always followed him. And one of the things he's told me for the last 10 years, he says, Cass, the day you stop selling policies is the day your agency explodes. Travis and I look at each other. Travis, is my business partner. And we look at each other like, this dude's straight, lost it. We finally listened to him in 2017. Agency exploded. Agency exploded because what we found out is what CEOs say. My job is not to sell policies. My job is to make sure that you have everything that you need. Now, I want to do something real quick, brother. I got to do this because I actually shared this with the mastermind. It was an article and I'm terrible at names. My loyal listeners know that. So citizens, please bear with me. But you know, the CEO of Zappos Yeah. and he just passed, right? right? And isn't it unbelievable how we never know people's true story until it's too late? Until it's too late, right. Gosh, I didn't realize he was, I, I knew about Zappos story, but I didn't realize about his story. But here's one thing that he said, and it really, really rocked my world when he's talking about the way that he looks at life as a CEO. Okay. And it's real, real short, but here's what he says. I think of myself as a leader and more of being almost an architect of an environment that enables employees to come up with their own ideas and where employees can grow the culture and evolve it over time. And it's not about having a vision of this is our culture. Now, listen to this. This is the powerful part. Maybe an analogy is, If you think of employees and culture as plants growing, I'm not trying to be the biggest plant for them to aspire to be. I'm more trying to architect the greenhouse where they can all flourish and grow. That's what Billy was telling me. Yeah. Billy was telling me, you're trying to be the big plant and make everybody look at you and say, and not not an ego, but trying to be the leader, right? To say, hey, I work hard. I do all this stuff. And at the end of the day, my staff don't give a shit. What they want is they want the technology to work. They want processes in place. They want to understand that they have incentives. They want to know what part of the empire is mine for me to grow right? That's what I have to do. That's where I am, in my opinion, the governor. It's whatever you want to call it or anything. It happens to be that I am building an empire. The five truths of insurance, flexible schedule, financial freedom. You're going to be a community contributor. Number four is the most important empire builder. And number five is mentorship. Why is number four this most important? Because it's not you building the empire. It's your people. Flexible schedule and financial freedom is you. The next three, community contributor, empire Builder and mentor; those are for somebody else, and and I get to allow people to say, "This Marvin, this is your part of the empire. I'm depending on you to grow it, right? And I'm going to give you the tools to grow it. I'm going to give you the bulldozers to make the streets. I'm going to give you the guys to erect the skyscrapers. Hey, Sarah, over here, this is your part of the environment. Or, uh, it's not me to be the greatest leader and show them that I can build an empire and they need to mimic it. And when he said that. That was really, really impressive to me. That was really, really impressive to me.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. Going back to um, a buddy of, of ours, uh, and you quote him a lot too, is Wesley Anderson was talking about on my show. When he was on several weeks back um, that when you go into you know a restaurant, the cook's not out there busting tables, or the owner's not out there, you know, greeting people or you know, sweeping off the sidewalk or doing things like that. And when you go into agencies and you see the owner is at the front desk and in the back quoting things and doing all these other things, those are the owners that are not doing very well. Those are the ones that are failing or those are the ones that are struggling because, you know, and he was coming at it from perspective of hire a VA, but from our perspective, we're talking about now, you know, as that agency principal, what sounds like you're saying is, you know, you've got to, as you're building that empire is, uh, give your people their tasks, uh, give the agency their, you know, their roles and their ideas and let it kind of sit back and let it run itself the greenhouse effect, so to speak. And it sounds like what you're saying. And I think that's, I think it's a brilliant, you know, message that you heard from Zappos, from Billy. And it's cool that you're wrapping your head around that.
1: Oh, I do. And, and, you know, here's where I actually wrote an article on this. Um, and because I talk about things that, um, that people don't ever want to talk about, they say these nice little sayings, but I break them down. Don't work on your business or work in your business, work on your business. We've that's all right. heard that, right? What the yep. hell does that mean? No one has ever broke that down. That's what they say. And Jason, you need to work on your business, not in your business. <laughs> and that's what Billy was saying. Yeah. And, and, and here's what we all have a job. We all have a job, Heath, in the office. Here's my job as an agency owner. Provide the processes, the technology, everything I just talked about, right? For my client, for my employees. What's my employee's job? My employee's job is to take care of the damn client. And they have to have everything from me. Get this. In our agency, even the client has a job. Guess what their job is? To pay the bills. <laughs> right. Right? right? So when we look at that, that's what working on your office is, is making sure you're providing those and everything you need. And then looking at your employee and saying, are you making them and taking care of them so that they pay the bills? Because here's what happens when I don't provide that for Sarah and Sarah doesn't provide that for them. They don't pay the bills. So here's the thing. If you have customers in your office that aren't paying the bills, you know immediately where you need to go to. And it's not Sarah, it's you.
0: That's right. No, I think that I think that's spot on. Um, mm-hmm. And so I asked a couple of things from that uh, moving forward to, cause you said something that means a lot to me. Um, but I wanted to ask before I get into that,
1: Okay,
0: uh, the mentorship part of it, number mm-hmm. five, uh, mm-hmm. I think that's huge. And it's even gotten more big in my life in the last six, eight months, but start before I get into my real question, I, I got to get into this. Do you see mentorship as something you should be doing within your own agency or with others
1: outside of the agency, or is there a mixture of both? So I think your, your mentorship more in an agency has to be vision-driven, because that's who we are. And I really don't really care about all the specifics of what they do, because I'm not really good at that. That's why I'm the leader, and I'm, I'm not working for somebody else, right? So to answer that, I want, I'm going to get training. I want them to know my vision. I want them to understand it. But for instance, we are hiring Kelly uh, Donahue Piero in the month of January, February, and I believe March, three months, and we're hiring her so that she can do that stuff because that's where it comes from. Think of your kids; they don't listen to you. They listen to you till you're about six or they're about six or seven. But then, amazing is they go play baseball for another coach for a year, and all of a sudden, they get better right? Yep. I learned that shit real fast. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, I'm not a bad trainer. That's what, that's what, that's what, oh, this is my new thing. That's what agency owners are doing. They won't get training because they think they're a good trainer. And you know what? A lot of times they are. The problem with it is, is the person you're training doesn't see you in the light that maybe other people see you. You know, what's really funny as a side note, I get speaking gigs everywhere. Do you know I never get speaking gigs in Illinois? <laughs> no, I don't ever get them. You know why? Cause they all know me. They've all drank beer with me until three o'clock in the morning. So it's not like I I lost that edge with them, right? They don't see me as a mentor or somebody cool. Like they're the ones that call me and make fun of my podcast because they know they can, right? Because they're like, oh, here goes this podcast, you know? And it's like, Adam, shut up, dude, you know? But you don't get that. That's what we're getting in our offices our office. That's why you have to get somebody else. Billy Williams also says, I'm sorry, guys, you can tell he's my number one mentor. Um, he And when I say mentor, he's the one that's number one, that's helped me build my business to where it is. Um, and I totally forgot what he said. i got a couple things on discipline I want to talk about that I think Billy talks about. Um, and then also getting off the phone, but I don't. I can't remember what Billy just told me about the other thing. It'll pop up. So, Best answer. <laughs>
0: Sorry. That's That's ADD Sorry. coming in at you. It um, is ADD. It is. It is. There's squirrels everywhere. So, uh, back to mentorship a minute, because I got to put this train back on the tracks a minute. That's what it is. I, I want to get into mentorship. Did you remember what Billy said? Not yet. Okay. Because you said that's what it was. Okay. So, mentorship. One of the things that I find fascinating, uh, especially during this pandemic i hate to keep bringing that crap up because it sucks but it is but it's 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 a good thing it's a blessing in disguise honestly but so six months ago seven months ago um actually we'll go back a year a year ago i had a a dream i wanted to have my own podcast um because of people like you that have influenced me and i and i hem hauled and dicked around with it didn't do it and my wife finally came to me and said okay if you're gonna do it you know poop or get off the pot you know and was Mm -hmm. like you know really pushing me and you've got to know my wife a little bit she's you know fantastic uh, woman Yes, she is. She's a pusher, and she's you know, she wants the best in people. So she was like, "Dude, do it. You know, quit talking about it." So I finally did it, and you know, we we could get into whole power of podcasting in a whole other day. But through that, through the pandemic, through all of that, um, you know, I, I got to know you, and I was a little starstruck at first because I've been listening to you forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but during that time, uh, and you didn't even know this or want to do this, but you became a mentor to me in the podcasting realm. And this started off as me reaching out to you somehow. Uh, we just started talking and getting to know each other. Now we talk on a pretty regular basis. Um
1: very much. So. I probably
0: bug the crap out of you asking you so many questions, but we have some fantastic conversations and through this new medium, you and I've never met face to face as far as in person. Yeah. yeah. But we've got we've met many a times this face to face very much i find that fascinating and we talked about this the other day first of all thank you so much loyal loyal listeners and citizens you know <laughs> this guy means the world to me and i appreciate that and i know you've been a mentor to many others uh i, I don't think that we're going back to physical face-to-face anytime soon yeah you know, i think the mentorship role is going to have to change and i think that our industry is going to have to continue to evolve uh i've said a lot of shit in the last five seconds But I kind of want to hear your thoughts on some of that uh, as far as you take that from a mentorship perspective, or you could take it from uh, how much you love me, or you could take it from, I'm just kidding, Uh, or you could take it just from a a perspective of the new norm, so to speak.
1: I want people to experience what I have experienced. In 2000, Cass never thought that he would be where he is, you know? Right. I mean, I'm 42 years old and I'm and then the only reason why I haven't moved to Florida and, and enjoyed the things I do is because I got a son who's a sophomore. That's the only reason. I'd be gone right now. Um, and I'm going to start another agency down there. Uh, David Shruthers and I are. Um, but mentorship means a lot because this is why I do what I do. You can go to castcalendar.com. It's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you can put time on my calendar, 20 minutes. You can select it. It's, it's open to anybody. Some of the other ones are restricted, but it's open to anybody. Um, I have five slots a week that are open for 20 minutes. Every week those things are, are, are filled. If you go there right now, you won't find a slot until February. Why am I saying that? I want people to realize I get upset when someone leaves this industry. I don't care if you're 65, find another job, or you're 25, find another job. This is the greatest industry in the world, and I want people to know about it. So if I can mentor them, then that is going to be, that is going to be unbelievable. And that, and that is great to me. It also allows for my business community to start seeing who I am. I'm not talking about a contributor. I'm still talking about mentorship because I have young people who are 30, 25, 40 going, dude, how have you done it? You know, I don't think that you're like the greatest thing in the world. That's not what I'm saying. But you've been doing it for 20 years. Most businesses file after five to 10 years. You've been doing it, right? So that's the mentorship that I love the most about it. I really, really truly do. And I also learned from, I have a podcast from four years ago. I think it's called The Greatest Mentor Ever. And his name is Mike Beard. I mean, he was the one who originally hired me and uh, he's still one of my best friends today. Um, we were just together last week. I, I really, really lean on him. Um, he's retired now, uh, but uh, mentorship He had no idea how to mentor somebody, but God, he did it perfect. He did it perfect. He made me believe in the young agents. He made me believe in getting with other agencies, owners, cutting uh, down the curve. You know, he used to take me with him and I do this with my producers where we're talking about mentoring. I mean, he just grabbed me and say, hey, come on, we're going. And right before we'd walk into a commercial client, he'd throw me a bunch of Accord apps and this was at the beginning. And he'd say, sit in the back of the room, shut up and take notes And in a nice way. Mike doesn't talk that way, but that's what he'd say. So I'd go in there, he'd do the inspection, I'd follow around, you know, I just wanted And then after a couple months, then I could start asking questions, I start hearing the same things. The way that he trained me that there's only 10 questions that somebody asks you. And as long as you know, those 10 questions you are going to sound like a rock star gave me all the confidence that I needed to have. He threw me directly on the phone because he knew that that was the freaking battleground, right? Where everybody else is like, oh, that can't answer the phone. That can't be sending emails. Billy Williams will tell you one of the first thing that he has any of his people do is he has them the first month that they're with them. They do nothing but send emails. That's the way that they start to be able to communicate with the client. It's easy for him to hold accountable. So mentorship is a huge thing, dude. And I don't consider myself mentoring you, Keith. Um, I just consider myself, you just reaching out and saying, hey, how can I be better? And I know that you're building authority through podcasting. I started this in 2013 and I understand that podcasting has changed my beep in life. It really truly has. Um, and I just hope, I just hope that other people realize this and and this podcasting's not going away and there's 15 of us right now and there's going to be 45 of us here pretty soon we may not yeah. all be mentoring the insurance industry but we'll be mentoring and building authority with somebody
0: yeah it's wild uh, that you know I started this thing in march no oh, april sorry april and in a short amount of time uh, my listeners have grown that's all good and fine but the people that I've met and the relationships I've built and like you said the authority that I have uh, established and, you know, I've been in this business for damn near 20 years, but, uh, over the last six months, I've grown my authority outside of Arkansas and Louisiana and more than I ever have. And the people that reach out to me, as you know, you know, our emails, you know, we get emails every day as, as podcasters, we get text messages, you know, things like that. And it's amazing. And, you know, I didn't plan this, but I do want to talk about this for a split second. because I know it's something that means a lot to you. Come on, I'm not going anywhere. I feel like, um, you know, I do feel like people out there listening right now, I know that, you know, you've, you've made a shift in your business to go after some more, some whales and kind of niched out that way. But I know there's listeners right now that are listeners thinking, I want to get into niching. I, you know, I want to find whether it's plumbers or it's, you know, I talked to a lady yesterday whose niche was, uh, HOAs, property owner associations, things like that. I found that fascinating because I didn't think there was much of a niche there, but she said there was only 12 agencies in the country that do that well. So I thought that was interesting. So she found her niche. Yep. And she she and I talked about She was asking me advice on that. And I said, what you've told me and what Bradley Flowers says and what all those other podcasters say, get into podcasting. You know, I told her that because of the authority you can build and you get that out there in front of the right people, automatically you've got this authority. I think that you know what you're talking about. So if you're listening right now and you have this idea to be the best insurance agent for restaurants or hotels or whatever it may be start a podcast
1: and go to um, we got your sorry that's shameless yes. self-promotion but we have 13 i was shows. gonna do it bro I we, we have write. 13 shows that we build for agencies we got guys who have podcasts for the carport industry yeah. for the tech industry and i mean they're killing it mike fusco Call him and ask him. Fusco Agency. Right now, okay, if you don't believe me, call Call um, California. Mike Fusco will tell you. He's a $3 million agency. He, there's two tech firms that he has been trying for five to six years to get in front of. He started his podcast in October. He's already had both the people on. He's had lunch with the CEOs and he's going to be quoting their insurance next year. And he's probably not going to quote one of them. He's going to probably get it on agent of record. He's been trying for five years to get that person. And he's had a podcast for two and a half months. And he's got them on. I mean, I can't I, I can't explain anything else to you. That's why I started mplocal.com. You could go to mplocalpodcast.com and you'll see my podcast that I do for nonprofits. Um, I'm not only just walking the walk, I mean, I'm I'm carrying you along the way, trying to show you that stuff. And uh, and agents who do are great. Here's the deal. Why do I need to do podcasting? I'm already niched out because everybody realizes that niche is important. And now you're starting to, these people that are calling me is like, Cass, I was the only guy writing carport manufacturers and carport um, subcontractors. I was the only guy. Now in the last five years, there's 15 of us, you know, but here's now, now he's created this authority that when he calls in, people know who he is. And when he's competing against these other four or five, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. But I know this guy, I listen to him every morning. You know what I mean? hello, hello, this is where things are are, are coming in. One of the well, things, go ahead. I was
0: going to say, another thing before you get into it, what I find fascinating is when I talk to people now, whether I've talked to them ever before or not, they say to me the same thing, they probably tell you, I feel like I already know you. Yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. we already have a relationship.
1: Yep, and it's the and first time I, I've ever talked to be, you.
0: Yeah, and it's like when I was prospecting back in the early days, and I'm sure when you were too, one of the hardest things was getting past that that initial conversation and making that a little easier but you got a podcast you're automatically they they almost feel like they're talking to a celebrity
1: there's a psychological thing that goes on i can't remember the thing but there is a psychological thing that goes on when people hear or see you on a medium that they can't physically see you they build up this like starstruck thing so i'm not trying to brag and say we have that but that's just what people run into um, they really truly do. I'll tell you another thing. It's very similar to this in 2007. I ran for city council, uh, cause I just wanted to try it. I actually won and then lost by 13 votes at the recount. I'm not even shitting you. I'm not even crapping you. It's probably the Democrats. They have this fraud everywhere. No, I'm joking. Every, you say, I'm joking. I <laughs> totally joking. Okay. So anyways, but, um, one of the things that I noticed, and this is, this was something I didn't realize happens. Like after you're, run for office, everywhere you go, everybody knows you, but you don't know anybody. And they'll come up to you and they'll be like, I see you at Walmart. They'll be like, oh, Jason, hey, man, I want you to know I voted for you, man. I really like your message on that. And it's just like, hey, uh, you know, am I supposed to know you? I'm not trying to be rude, you know? And then the guy every once in a while go, yeah, I gave $200 to your campaign. And you're like, Oh shit, you know, but that's just the way it is. It's the same thing here. It's the same thing here. One of the things I made a note on, and I, I don't want you to steal this, but you went back to Jason. There's those people who are trying to straddle this, um, uh, 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 the cave or the the canyon. And one of the things I want to I want to I want to hit on that because we didn't get to say it, and I wrote it down here was what Billy Williams talks about the four levels of discipline. I think it's understand and it's important that your citizens understand this because this will help you not have to hire somebody if you look at it from this way. You may be able to get away with another two, six, nine months before you have to hire that person. So if you're right there, think of this. Think of your discipline. Think of your discipline. Now, if you're like anything else, when Billy starts talking, you're thinking, oh, shit, I already heard this before, like discipline. Yeah, I got to have discipline. But what Billy does is he goes different and says, let me give you the four types of discipline so then you understand them. First type of discipline is called self-accountability. Billy will tell you it's the worst form of discipline there is. You will let yourself down every time. You just will. There's going to come a point in time where you're supposed to go to an appointment, but your buddy calls you once you go to golf ain't going to happen. Just you're going to go. It's just the way that it is. Um, The second type of discipline is accountability. And that's where somebody else is accountable to you. This is one of the most powerful parts of it because we always, we've got this inside of us that we don't want to let somebody down. So now when I'm going to that golf tournament, my buddy calls, but my boss knows my business partners knows that I was going to this. It's kind of like, nah, you know, I can't do that. The third type is automation and technology. You need to automate everything you possibly can. 25 to 30% of the tasks you're trying to go hire somebody for can be automated. So think of that. You're freeing up your time right there. And the third or fourth one is outsourcing. Outsourcing. You can't hold yourself accountable. You don't have anybody to hold you accountable. You can't technically uh, automate it. So I'm going to outsource it to somebody else who that's their responsibility. Now, when I first started saying the the discipline, you need to have discipline and it prevent you from having to hire, you didn't think any of those things because neither did I when he told me that. I didn't think that. I didn't think that automation was a discipline right? I didn't think that outsourcing was a discipline. Yes, it is. It's knowing what you should and should not be doing. That's discipline. Should you be doing it and should you not? And when Billy tells me that kind of stuff, that really makes me start to realize now for all you citizens, you should look at your office completely different. When you stop this podcast, you should be able to look around and say to my people, am I holding them accountable? Are they relying on their own self-discipline? Should I be getting them technology that can help them? Or should we be outsourcing this? One of the main things Billy will tell you, you should outsource and most people keep it, is cold calling. You should outsource cold calling. It burns your staff out. UK salespeople don't like to do it and service people don't like to do it now I do my own cold calling because I think I'm really good at it that's me personally but we did at a certain point in time before we were riding whales we outsourced that we didn't do that until we met Billy right we had to start bringing automation in because we started realizing like why are we trying to hound our CSRs to ask for reviews all the time why are we telling them that hey you have to let them know about our mobile app why, why, why don't we just automate that and then we don't have to worry about that you know so there's these, there's these things that you have to really think about. And that's what I love about Billy. He keeps it simple. And that's another tip that might help you from preventing, giving you more time before you have to hire somebody.
0: You know, it's funny you talked about outsourcing. Um, and one of the things that I'm a big proponent of, and so are you, um, is virtual assistants. And I think a lot of people, the biggest thing I hear in rural America when I talk about this whether it's Arkansas or Utah or wherever it is, you know, people will say, well, I don't want to replace Sandy or I don't want to replace, you know, Billy, the agent, or I don't want to do this. I'm like, you're not. And I try to explain that to them. And I've got your disciplines of automation and things like that. You're not replacing them. You're enhancing them. You're helping yeah. them to get better. You're helping them to focus on what's important. And you're autom- like you said, the cold calling, you get somebody cold calling, you get those leads in the door or those prospects in the door then you got your agent, Billy or Sandy, the CSR that takes it from there. Um, I, I think that's, it's a, uh,
1: it's a mindset it's, change, dude. It's a,
0: I was, Why you don't know, you give change. your
1: employees worth? Why don't you give them worth? Do you think that they want to come to work every day and have a system that they have to hold themselves accountable? Do you think that they want to come to work every day and do stuff that they know that could be automated or outsourced? Why don't you give your people worth? Sandy has been doing the same thing for 30 years and she's got more value in her head than 15 other people who've only been doing it five years, but you have her doing the things that she did 20 years ago. Why don't you give Sandy some worth? Why don't you give her a raise? Why don't you give her a promotion? And you know what her promotion is? Take that shit off of her. Start giving her some worth so when she goes home, she doesn't feel like she fought a battle and doesn't be able to look back she knows exactly what she did because she had someone that held her accountable she had automation where she couldn't be and she we were outsourcing the task it was just data entry tasks that she should not be doing so when you tell me that you shouldn't that you don't want to get rid of sandy you shouldn't get rid of sandy you should build worth and give her a reason why she should be, be a proponent for your agency and that using those four places of discipline is how it's going to happen Sorry. And sandy's
0: gonna be so much happier when you say sandy
1: I think you're, you're way too
0: talented to be picking up the phone every day and calling X, right. Y, Z.
1: Absolutely. You're way too
0: talented to be typing in endorsements. You're way yeah. too talented to be putting together certificates for such and such contractor. You need to be doing this that you're really good at.
1: Do you know, according to Bill, I'm sorry, Billy. Billy, this is a free advertisement for you too. According to Billy, yeah, there's only, I need to have only, on the show. You should. There's only 14 tasks that you do in an agency every day. Yeah. And there's only 20 total tasks that you do in an agency. There's only 20. If you're commercial, if you're, if you're renewal, if you're, if you're benefits, there's only 20. So when you train your people, you just have to train them on those first 14 and then you have to train them on the 20. And then you start saying, which one of these should we not be doing? You know what I mean? That, 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 that's what you're doing there. And, and and it, it's, um, you said that she shouldn't be answering the phone. She shouldn't be doing a lot of stuff that she's doing. And guess what? She doesn't wanna do it. She's been doing it 25, 30 years and she's burnt out, anyways. I mean, she really, truly, truly is. Um, And and here's the other thing that Billy always says to me. He says, Jason, make sure everybody in your office is doing things that only they can do. Cass, I don't need you in the office making freaking calls. Okay, that's not what I need you to do. I need your three hours of green time so you can get out of here at one. He calls it three hours of green time. And that's things only Jason can do. We have three hours of green time for Sarah. These are the things only she can do right? Um, and so we really try to break those down so that everybody kind of knows what your role is in this. And I've wanted to say two things twice. I've wanted to say something twice and I keep skipping it. It's a Billyism on what he talks about this and it's coming back to me. So sorry, it's ADD. And, and to be honest with you, bro, I'm going to be honest, this has been a really good podcast. You've really gotten some things out of me that I haven't talked about in a while. And uh, I really do. Oh, I remember what it is. I remember what it is. Do you know how you eliminate one of the biggest tasks in your office? How's that? Now, I'm just going to tell you, citizens, it's going to make you feel uncomfortable. You can tell me I'm crazy because five years ago, I was the dude saying it's crazy. (laughs) And listen for four years. We are an insurance agency that helps protect people. We are not here to babysit them, nor are we here to answer their billing questions. We do not answer billing questions here at this office. If you have a billing question, what I need to do is I need to refer you over to the company. Hold on one second. Put them on hold. Hey, this is Jason Kass with da 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 agency. Here's my agency code. I want to let you know we have Sheila on a mutual client. She has a billing issue that it seems like it's the best experience. And we explained that to Sheila. Sheila, normally what happens, like if you, she says, what's my bill? Well, yeah. Okay. We're going to go online and get that, right? Like, here's my bill but like, Hey, I don't understand. I did this and I added this. And now that's that all you listening here, citizens, what happens in your office? You call the company or you listen to their story. Then you call the company. The company says, well, we can do that. But we've got to do this or that. Then you call the customer back. You say, well, here's what they said. Oh, okay. Then you call the company back. That is a nightmare. What you do is you explain to the customer, we can be more than happy to help you with the billing, but here's what we found to be successful. Here's what our customers have told us is the best. I'm going to call the company right now and I'm going to patch you over to them by telling you what their issue is. And then when you do that, then they're going to be able to handle it and you're going to only have to do it in one call. Why do we feel comfortable doing that with claims, but we don't have a problem doing that with billing? If anything, we should have a problem doing that with claims and not with billing. Us with claims, we don't take claims. We have the same thing. I can take down your information. I can call in and then they're going to take it down. I don't know all the answers. Then they're going to have to track you down. We found that the quickest way over and over from doing research is that if you call the company direct, it's going to be done quicker. They like it. They like it. We don't do billing. I know that all makes you guys feel uncomfortable right now. It did to me too. But in 2019, we stopped doing billing calls during Covid, our theory was this is a great time to change or train our customers because they're sitting around doing nothing. They don't mind talking to the company. Sometimes they want to call you because hey, I'm just want to tell you my problem and get off. And yeah, I guess we can do that. But we want you to know that that's very inconvenient to you. Very inconvenient well,
0: to you. Always, I shouldn't say always, but most of the time when you go that back and forth, as you mentioned a minute ago there's always going to be some question that they wanted you to ask the company that you didn't ask or mm-hmm. the company wants you to ask. And then you're stuck being that middleman. You spend, I've talked to many agents that have said, I spent four hours handling one problem, putting one fire out. You're eliminating
1: yep. four hours of work. And you know what? It's always the same people. So if they get yes. mad and they leave, who well, you gives can a fire shit? those people. Yeah. Who gives a shit, you know, get, yeah. get on down the road. Cause it's always the same people, you know, now do we have, we don't, we don't lay out our a client's, but we kind of know who they are. Yeah, and when they Everybody call in, we, yeah. may, we may act a little differently with them. But once again, where we may is we just may stay on the phone, but we're still getting billing on the phone. I want this to be a smooth process for this dude. He pays us $7,200 in commission revenue. I want this to be smooth. You know what I mean? So I'll sit on the phone and just hit mute, sit there and listen to the thing. And they're like, oh, Jason, this. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's a big client, I'm, I'm doing it as well. I mean, we're talking major revenue here. You want to get away from the three to five hundred revenue clients. You start treating them like seventy two hundred dollars clients. That's that's the that's that's the that's the key.
0: That is the key. Um, that is the key. It is. The that key. is the key. So, uh, what I want to do. Speaking of key, uh, that's a great segue. It's like I almost planned that with you, but I didn't. <laughs> you didn't. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit back, give you the keys to sit. city. You've given us a whole lot of nuggets. You have killed it in the last hour. You're right. We put together some good stuff. Uh that's why I invited you on uh you've meant a lot to me over the last 6 months of my life. I look forward to the next 60 years when we're sitting around talking like this on whatever the newest platform is at that time. But I do I do want to hit mute. I want to sit back hit mute and I want you to just, you know, whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, um, give me the keys to the city. I'm going to sit back and shut up.
1: Basically, everything that I said is um, it's kind of look like looking at best practices. Best practices are important, but you're looking at results from the past. Always remember that. So when we're looking at how we're trying to go forward, you can listen to all the stuff that I just said. And you don't even really need to remember it. You can listen to this podcast again, or you can just call Billy Williams or some of the people and the resources I gave you. But I want you to know where we're going. It's important to not look at where we were, because in a way, where we were doesn't dictate where we're going. I've said it many times that I think in 500 to 1,000 years, I told you this yesterday when we were on our call, Heath, that they're going to look back at 2010, 1990 to 2010, and they're going to say, that was it. Can you remember that before? Can you believe that before 1990, they had to make decisions on their own with their own brain? Can you, we're going to be able to look back and say, AD and BC, before internet, after internet, B-I-A-I, right? AI, ironically enough, after internet. Well, may have to use that as a podcast one day. But anyways, you, you have to look at that and you have to realize like, that is where we are. Zig Ziglar said that if you're a frog and you are inside lukewarm water and, or excuse me, if you're a frog and you're dropped into boiling water, you will hop right out of that. But if you're a frog and you put them, and none of us is a frog, let's just say we have a frog, and we put it inside of a pot and we slowly turn up the water, it'll cook himself to death. Right now, we're cooking ourselves to death. And it's okay. I don't want to say cooking ourselves to death, but right now, we don't realize the temperature is changing drastically. If you popped us out of 500 years from now and dropped us in now, we'd hop right out because we'd be like, holy cow, that's too much. And to be honest with you, what is funny, the, 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 the frog will hop out of the water. Like you can literally drop them in boiling water and they'll hop right out. It's pretty amazing. Um, It's on YouTube. There's a YouTube video, except they don't kind of show you the end of when they slowly do it. But I want you to understand it's called the great separator. What we're looking for in the past used to be customer service. Then it was customer experience. Today, customer experience is being multiplied easily by technology, by automation, by outsourcing, by those disciplines we talked about. So we have to look at where are we going. And we have to understand that it's what people are expecting is what you have to deliver. You have to be able to deliver what they're expecting. And sometimes that's easy. Here's the hard one. You have to be able to deliver what they're not expecting. That's the tough one. When a fire occurs on the north side of a mountain in in California and the alarm goes off, there's insurance companies that are tied into the national system that knows immediately when a fire is reported because it goes to a national system. So media and everybody knows that is they are tuned into that. They then immediately can do a satellite view of that whole area. And by looking at the winds and the way they're coming through, they can send text message directly to all of their insureds that are in that area saying, hey, depending on where you are, there's there's a fire on the other side of the mountain and you got about 30 minutes to get out of there. Now, don't worry about it because we understand that you need to get to a hotel, but that's okay. We've already got a hotel for you. Here, in the next text you're gonna get is gonna be your confirmation number. And don't worry about it. You need to get to the hotel, get off the, get off the, 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 the uh, mountain, and don't worry about getting something to eat. There's a buffet already there for you that we have planned. And your grandma, she's 78, we know that, got the ambulance on the way. That's giving them things that they're not expecting. That's phenomenal when you think about that. When you think about having a health insurance plan that allows them to track you on an Apple device, to where when somebody calls you or you get a call from the gym and the gym says, hey, Keith, you haven't been into the gym in a while because they're tracking that. And they got a nudge from the health insurance company that said, hey, we're giving him a discount based on him going there three times a month or a week. So we need you to send that out. But he's sitting there with the kids, right? And, and, and the wife's gone. And he's thinking, I, I, I can't go, she's got the car. And you get the text that says, hey, Uber's on her way. Yeah, I know, but I got these kids that I gotta watch. She won't be home for a while. Don't worry about it. Buy one hour, get one free from the local daycare that we send to you. This is telling you these are the things that we know about your life and that we can make it better. Now, when you want to get scared about that, you can get scared about how people know about that. And guess what? You're going to have an option to not have to be a part of that. You're going to pay more. You're going to be less data that somebody's going to have on you. But this is where we're going. And so when I say this to you, you can hype this up into large insurance companies. But I want you to think about your main street business. I want you to think about the business that you have to run and how does that happen? It's gonna happen through technology. The AMSs that are here don't allow you to capture it. They allow you to capture categorial data. That's your phone numbers, that's your addresses, that's the contact email addresses. That doesn't mean anything to AI. They wanna know when did you get the phone number? How did you get it? Did you get it at the same time as you're getting the email address? Who gave it to you? Did you have to call them twice? Was it the wife or is the husband or is the kid? How easy was it to get? Now that you got that, how do they want to be communicated with? Because people that give us that information still want to be communicated differently. It's the behaviors that take us away from the categorial data that says, how did we get that data that now we can start to ex- give them what they expect, but we can also anticipate what they don't expect. And that is where we're at. You've heard me talk about it before with the itch cycle, Heath. It's the same thing. It's about knowing what somebody wants based on the data that's there. And that's where technology is gonna have to help you. And this is where Applied, this is where Vertifor, this is where Hawksoft, this is where Easylinks, this is where every management system out there right now, every one can't do it. Why can't they do it? Because it's gotta be your data. It's gotta be your data. And when it's your data, like it is now, Applied literally has to redo a contract with you and say, hey, did you know that now it is your data, but we're going to share that data with other people? Are you cool with that? I guarantee you there's a lot of agents that aren't. Because why? Because they don't trust the carrier, but they don't trust if that's really their data or not. You've got to start looking at systems that say, this is your data. I use Varuna. This is not a Varuna commercial, but when you're asking me about the future and I tell you technology, this is what we use. Do you know that right now there are about I think around 150 to 200 agencies that are on Varuna. And do you know those 100 to 200 agencies are the only agencies in America that own their own data? They own the data. That means an agency could come to me, a company could come to me and say, I want to have every piece of information I can get on a 27-year-old female. And I can sell it to them per laws of what I'm allowed to do, but I can sell it to them. You can't do that today. It doesn't work that way because there's nothing being done. That's what NEON does. It controls when that categorical data is coming in and out of your management system. It's controlling and trapping the behavioral data that is then sent through AI to help us make better decisions. We are then all connected as agencies of NEON agencies. We're going to be 3,000 of us in about two or three years. And not only are we sharing information in our own agency, but now we're going to start sharing with each other. I'm going to be able to see that in Springfield, Illinois, two hours north of me, there's an Erie agent. And I'm going to be able to look at his and how he goes through his data and how he makes things work and say, well, why does it take him a day and a half to do an endorsement with Nationwide? But it takes us three days. We're gonna be able to learn from each other. Who's gonna benefit from that? The client is, the agency is, the customer is. I'll end with this. What will the future look like? In the 80s, the agent and the companies jived fine. In the 70s, they did. In the 60s, they did. But when technology came around, the agent wasn't able to follow along with the carrier. So what happened is, is these technology companies came up between us. The cool part is now 20, 30, 40 years later, we as agents are not removing them from us. But what we're doing is we're putting them on the same vertical plane as us or on the same uh, horizontal plane as us. Everybody in the future will be on the same playing field. No longer will carriers come into you and give you data on what your agency is doing. You're gonna flip it around and say, here's the data of what we're doing and, and here's how you're affecting our agency. That doesn't put us over the carriers, that puts us on the same playing field as the carriers. When we can allow that we don't need technology because we have indie tech and we don't need insure tech that now puts us on the same playing field. Companies want that, they want that, and they don't know how to get it. And that is the great separator. So Cass, what do I do with that? Start looking at technology. I'm gonna give you guys a heads up right now. If I was looking at moving as a management system in six months, I wouldn't do it. I'd hold on, I'm telling you. There's things on the horizon that are gonna absolutely blow your mind. And I'm telling you what, they ain't coming from Applied. They ain't coming from Vertifor. They're coming from Hoxoft. They're coming from EasyLinks. The ones who understand independent insurance agent. So once again, dude, I hope I didn't go on too much. I just want them to understand the future is vital for this. It got sped up with COVID. I can't say it anymore about how important it is the future of independent insurance agents. And I am committed and Heath is committed because we want you to have the life that we've found. No, I completely
0: Heath. agree. No, thank you. I, I like you, am absolutely in love with this industry. I have been since I got into it. Um, I, I, I love what you just said. And we are committed to that, and I am committed to that. And so, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for hanging out. What I do want you to do, though, Love is if people do want to get a hold of you. Mm. I want them to be able to find you.
1: Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another shameless self promotion. You were talking about mentor. This is yeah. why mastermind's growing, bro. The Mastermind is growing because it's a $99 is what you pay per month. We take all the money and we throw a brain share at the end of the year in Puerto Rico or wherever. It's not about that. We believe as independent insurance agents in that thing that you need to put skin in the game. So if someone doesn't want to pay $99 a month, that's their loss. But today when we don't have conferences, we're having meetings in there, Facebook lives. I mean, be honest with you, we're not missing a whole lot other than that true face-to-face shaking your hand Giving you a bro hug. So check that out. Go to insuranceagencyintelligence.com. insuranceagencyintelligence.com. Check it out.
0: And how can they get it? Can you give out anything like an email address or something for you? Yeah, Jason
1: Jason at agency-intelligence.com. Jason at agency-intelligence.com. Um, uh, or, you know, you can find me on Facebook or you can also go to my calendar, castcalendar.com. You can fill it, sign up for a free 20 minutes. You better get on there. Cause like I said, I'm booked out, but I'll, I'll do it. I do it for five agents a week. So yeah,
0: dude, I think that's incredible. So thanks again, bro. I really, uh, I look forward to talking to you later. Uh,
1: you know, again, thanks brother. No, thank you for all you do. And I want you citizens to know that you guys are very, very lucky to have somebody like uh, Heath on here. And, uh, and we know that you're dedicated to the insurance industry. Your wife lives it and breathes it. You live it and breathe it. And God knows your kids probably will one day because they're surrounded yes. by it. And we could only hope that, right? Yep. Isn't it crazy? We hope that our kids follow in our footstep in this. If you're an airplane mechanic, do you get excited that your kid becomes an airplane mechanic? <laughs> right? I don't no. know. Maybe you do. I don't know. But I know you get excited if your insur- your kid is. Why? The five truths of insurance.
0: Yep. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Thank you so much, guys, for hanging out with me and enjoying a good conversation. I hope that the content we brought made you a better insurance professional. Guys, uh, if you have an idea for your own show, please reach out to my guy, Ryan, over at Ready, Set, Podcast. That's GetReadySetPodcast.com Or you can find Ryan on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter Uh, Look for Ready Set Podcast Or you can look for Ryan Mayfield Guys, he does a great job And I'd love for you to reach out to him That is uh, GetReadySetPodcast.com Turning your brilliant ideas into a reality Thanks again guys I look forward to hanging out with you next week Merry Christmas